Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chapin. I am one of your hosts. My name is Caleb Shively. Caleb, it's lovely to hear your voice and to speak with you tonight. It's, it's lovely to see you. Me and Chris hung out last night. We had a good night last night. It was we fun. A, now, we had a great time. As a matter of, I, I'm barely awake right now because of what a good time we had last night. It's, <laughs> it was, it's true. We were out very late and maybe my voice is all fucked up too. I guess we'll find out. I think so, yeah. Well, okay, every episode on Actually Best Choice Movies, and apologies that there wasn't one for a little bit there. That's, you know, summertime, brothers. Summer you know, vacation, what, yeah. What can you say, Labor man? You know, us. summertime. Um, it's on me, mostly. Uh, we um, we talk about two movies. One of them's old, one of them's new, and they're related in some way, like The Dealer and The Gambler. Right, Caleb? This much is true. Uh, so we're doing The Card Counter, which is a new Paul Schrader film in theaters uh, the great uh director and then also we're pairing that with another paul director uh part eight pt anderson's paul paul thomas anderson's uh heart his first film uh it was also about uh like both these films have gambling but not in las vegas that's a, that's a situation but it was about gambling and like a mentor figure in general but then watching these two together uh as we do for this podcast we realize that there's a ton in common which is crazy and sometimes it works out that way for us in a good manner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself, brother. That is this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. But before we get to any of that, so we're doing these two movies this week, The Card Counter and uh, Hard Eight. And Caleb, we actually were kind of kicking around a bunch of stuff to do. And we picked Hard Eight. And I don't know how you felt, but I was like, oh, I think that'll be an okay match, but I'm not 100% sure. But then having watched both films, like it is actually fucking crazy how yeah. similar they are. They're very similar plots. In the uh, my initial thought was we were talking about Vegas stuff or like gambling things. And I thought like, oh, uh, well, PT has Hard Eight, which is also about like one specific lead character. Uh, and then I remember, uh, they, then I were like, oh yeah, they both have cards things in their names card counting and then uh hard eight is a term well it's a gambling term excuse me not a right yeah. it's, a, it's a poker no no it's a hard eight dice, is dice roll yeah, craps dice craps roll. but yeah but there is a lot of a lot of just someone explaining how to do things at casinos in both these movies and then there was more which we're talking about now <laughs> yeah so i mean just for me like a very short list of the similarities they start at like the ten thousand foot level where it's like um mm -hmm. It's about an older professional gambler who takes under their wing a young, like, kind of drifter. But then we find out they actually have a reason that they feel like they have to be looking after this kid. And it has to do with them feeling responsible for their father's death. <laughs> and mm -hmm. like, these are exactly the same in both movies. Uh, um, the little, the, the younger one is like, has a, seems to learn and grow, but then makes like this massive fuck up that has to make the older person put themselves <laughs> in danger. That also happens in both movies. Very wildly. Uh, yeah. And also to the extent uh, it's, basically a four main character movie like the two people that like the father figure and the, the person he has a father figure to a woman and then an antagonist <laughs> yeah. and I mean, there's other like of course other like people are in the movie other things they're awesome uh the i would say the fifth lead in both these movies are like great gambler cameos uh which we'll get uh, they're both great uh but uh yeah both uh, pretty much a forehander uh between yeah. them which is wild and yeah again Mostly the lead based off of a lead character. There's even a scene at the end of each movie where the lead character is sitting in an empty house holding a gun, waiting for somebody to come in the door. And I swear to God, they're sitting in exactly the same way, holding exactly the same type of gun in exactly the same part of the frame. Yeah. It's, it's fucking weird. crazy, dude. <laughs> and like I said, both named Paul. What? Named Paul. What? <laughs> That's the craziest one of all. <laughs> it rhymes. Um, but yeah, well, we could get into it because there's a lot of talk yeah, about with these movies and it's fun. And even probably as we're talking about it, we'll draw we'll talk about parallels yeah, to it, right. which we'll probably save more for Hard Eight. But yeah, first is uh, let's get into it, Chris. It first is 2021's brand new Paul Schrader joint, uh, The Card Counter. 
Having been sentenced to 10 years in prison, I learned to count cards. How'd you do that? Poker's all about waiting. Check, raise, re-raise, call. Then something happens. You remember him? This is where all the good stuff happens. The Card Counter is the new movie from writer-director Paul Schrader, who's famous, of course, for movies like Taxi Driver, Light Sleeper, American Gigolo, and most recently, First Reformed, which we both really liked, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Like those movies, The Card Counter is about an out-of-step man barely containing the violence and hopelessness, like under the his very tightly controlled exterior. Um, also like them, especially first performed in light sleeper, the main character does this kind of mournful voiceover as he's like methodically journaling and drinking every night, which is pretty funny. Um, which I guess must be just how Paul Schrader lives his life because that's what all of his characters do. Um, but this time the movie stars Oscar Isaac, who I think gives a really taut and surprisingly like physical performance as a professional gambler who's haunted by his past as a guard in Abu Ghraib prison which is pretty fucking crazy and he's having these nightmares about how they would beat people and stuff he meets a young man played by ty sheridan who's uh connected with that past and who uh oscar isaac tries to protect and parent and also there's this whole plot line with tiffany haddish where uh, oscar isaac is a professional gambler on the professional like world series of poker circuit um and this is i think where we get into some of the issues with this movie i did really like it a lot but it's like it's got a lot to say and it seems to maybe be at least two different ideas that paul schrader like stapled together it's like a movie about the bush years wars and a movie about professional gambling that are just kind of like mushed together um a lot of the dialogue is very clunky and could have used another pass some of the delivery is so flat that it's like you would think Tiffany Haddish is not a professional actress here. And, but obviously she's being directed to act this way by Paul Schrader. So I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, ultimately, I think the card counter has a lot of interesting themes, a fantastic lead performance from Oscar Isaac. And, uh, you know, it's Paul Schrader still exploring these themes that he's fascinated with, like doom, guilt, you know, the impossibility of changing your own life. Um, but I would say it doesn't quite come together, but it's pretty fun. It's I thought it was pretty fun, but it was also kind of a mess. Uh, Caleb, what, what did you think about this movie? Uh, you got to start with it. Such a Paul Schrader movie. It's a man a alone who uses yeah. his habits and they show him being devoted to his uh, his vice, really. It's his gambling. Like we mentioned in first reform, he was alcoholic. Uh, yeah. uh, t- taxi drivers like that. Bringing out the dead is like that. Uh, all these people consider themselves living in an ugly world and are trying to righteous. And there's always voiceover, which is cool. I, I always say Tech Driver is like a Mount Rushmore movie for me. And I love it. Like, it's movies filled with rage and despair. Yeah. Uh, and yeah that's Paul, so, like, that's, I mean, and we know that. It's Paul, I'm just describing Paul Schrader. I described four movies. They're all great, good Paul Schrader movies. He has many more. He has movies that suck, too. He's a prolific director. Uh, one of my favorite things about Paul Schrader, though, uh, besides his filmmaking is he was a film critic before he was a filmmaker. He actually has uh, uh, a lot of thought, like how we perceive uh, Noor movies in the seventies. Like he was like writing about that uh, as versus Noor in the forties. And he always said, he said, Noor was a, a, a noir. If I'm saying that yeah, like noir, you're supposed to noir, noir yeah. uh, was a genre of the American post-war experience. Uh, like the old, like Humphrey Bogart movies. But, and then he saying, and I'm going to get, read this because it's a cool quote uh quote the war continues but now the antagonisms turns with a new viciousness toward the american society itself so it's yeah it's mandela or travis bickle from taxi driver was implied he was a vietnam veteran uh and then this movie the card counter uh chris mentioned abu Ghraib. so it's make it more obvious explicit here with not just ptsd but the shame of abu Ghraib. <laughs> and very, also very i'm gonna bring up uh, i teased it earlier uh, his nemesis or his uh, person he's dealing. There's a person in, in, on the card circuit named Mr. USA. Mr. USA. And <laughs> the, he's always like, wearing American flag stuff. And he just has a posse of people that go around going, USA, USA. Yeah, he waves flags. He's Ukrainian. <laughs> he's Ukrainian. It's so fucking weird. Why? Uh, it, that, but yeah, all that and, stuff seemed to me so like the kind of stuff you would have written in like 2010 or 2000, even like 2006 or seven, but then not quite mm-hmm. knowing what to do with it. It just seemed very much like Paul Schrader was like watching cable news all day and writing the script, you know? 
Um, it, it worked in the sense that it was supposed to be for like he really resented him because he was a veteran, and he I think I think his line was, as we get to hear his thoughts, um, uh, he didn't serve one day in his life. <laughs> he he didn't serve a day. Yeah, it's like what the fuck? That was one of the instances where I was like, what is this fucking voiceover? Yeah, it's, I don't know, it kind of leads to, like, how... It's pretty silly. It's, it's pretty a mind silly. you understand because you're hearing it constantly, but then you get those things where just like, oh, this is this guy's fucked up. And, you know, <laughs> another mark of a Paul Schrader film is the, uh, the the story builds towards a violent end. Yeah, the story just ended in a way you don't exactly expect. <laughs> Which you know, we're, everything... we're not going to talk about the ending this quickly, but yeah, but yeah. Yeah, we don't have to talk about the end, but it's just kind of the way the ending happens. It's like, it seems like things are going to work out and then, oh, they all of a sudden don't work out, you know? <laughs> like, that, that, that happens yeah. a lot. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a character study movie, so we mentioned all these cool characters, and this character, Oscar Isaac, plays William Tell, uh, vet and ex, yeah. uh, ex-con, uh, convict too, that's in prison is where he learns. He read books, Dostoyevsky books, and uh, learned cards. Is all he did in prison. <laughs> so his his character is great. I mean, he's giving this great performance. I, I so one of the thing, just to talk about Oscar Isaac, I need to talk about something else for like a second, and then I'll come back. Because um, okay. Oscar Isaac looks really like great in this movie and for a lot of the movie he's dressed like i kept thinking it looked like he just like came from a watch commercial like it's like he's sure. there slick back he's got like a huge watch he's wearing like a you know a nice like casual rich guy jacket and a but and like a, a gray button-up shirt underneath it you know like where he looks looking like a million fucking dollars. great yeah looks I, like uh, a million dollars in every scene underratedly great looking guy of course we know him poe dameron make poe dameron jokes all yeah. the time but uh I always say uh, he looked very similar to a history of violence here, which was uh, a thing I was for Halloween because it was COVID Halloween last year and I could just wear a suit and say it was something cool. So I did that. (laughs) Yeah, um, but but what, what's interesting about that, about beautiful. the way he, he looks, <laughs> is like um, this movie is one of the best things about it is the locations because the plot is that they're going around to these gambling tournaments at various. Yeah, like, it's a gambling know, movie, but not a Vegas gambling movie. Right. It's great. And yeah, so they're they're all very realistically like places that would just be on the highway, like in the middle of mm-hmm. nowhere, kind of. And they look uh, Biloxi, so, Mississippi was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they look exactly like what these places would look like. The way they like try to look fancy, but it's like so cheap and sad, you know. Mm-hmm. But but and not necessarily. It's not like making fun of the place at all but it just really is in those places yeah there's a um to have oscar isaac looking like that in these places is really funny uh, i think maybe i'm jumping ahead here but uh, there is a line that like he's saying something when they're they're talking about it like talking about like living this life of all these places that look the same uh it kind of put the movie together for me when i like hit it uh just because it's you know i was thinking oh this is a paul schrader movie uh he's like very much doing what he's been always doing but the line is he so he's asking him uh what, what do you think about living this life and uh the ty sheridan the kid character is falling around the kid his name's kid uh he says it does it feels like it's not going anywhere uh and then uh oscar isaac's character william tell replies great character uh just makes a looping with his fingers he goes you go round and round and until you work it out which i was like yeah he's making the same movie all the time because he's just you know working <laughs> it out like you're just doing living life you're just waiting it'll it'll work out it's gonna work out (laughs) you're just biding your time all the time (laughs) i mean also oscar isaac's character like you said does come across like a psychopath i mean and oscar isaac's doing such a good job of playing him because he's sympathetic but you can also there's something in him that's like like animal like -hmm. like he's like so violent you know it's it's what you you mentioned in your intro it's it's, it's a great physical performance from oi here uh the way he holds his posture there's like always a sense of firmness and command and things he's doing uh like so tightly moved and that uh, it's if you you could you could overplay that hand but he does it with such like a furrowed brow and a clenched jaw that a coiled thing and you could and the movie is basically unfolding his psyche so like we get a kid he's at a uh, doing a card show like he's play, he just plays cards places he knows it's a security thing sees the character it says a William Defoe character who was the boss at Abu Ghraib who's uh, Gordo is his name yeah, Sergeant Gordo. Gordo. Yeah, you know, uh, Major Gordo, and this is where he meets the kid, and it's the plot goes uh, like, "Oh, hey, you know this guy," uh, and it becomes like, "Oh, wait, now there's more darker backstory." And that's where we get to learn into why he was in prison, which was Abu Ghraib because he was in the pictures. Yeah, it's, uh, Paul, 
Paul Schrader always says he doesn't make super political films, but no, he makes political he makes films. Extreme. This is extremely um, political. This is like yeah. a fucking MSNBC show. You know? <laughs> it is. I mean, it is great though because as much as it is like. Of course, we all know what Abu Ghraib is. Certainly anybody that's going to see a Paul Schrader movie knows what Abu Ghraib mm-hmm. is. But, like, it is absolutely insane that that's real and that happened. And, like, it happened recently and it happened, like, Americans were doing it. It's it's terrible and every every movie should be about that. But it's like we just <laughs> we move on from stuff so quickly in this country. Like, we don't reflect on anything at all. Like, that was not even 20 years ago. And we, act, you know, people act like it didn't. You know, like it's ancient history. You know, like yeah, uh, we're uh, like I, I, like I said, what I said about Nori, like you're dealing with the past of war. Like you're, this is the fallout. Like yeah, we should be like we have deep dark secrets that we're just like no, we're fine. We're living things. We got uh, apples making us uh, TV shows with Jason Sudeikis. We're great. We're, we can yeah, find uh, everybody's forward. Ted Lasso now. It's great. Everybody's <laughs> sweet. Don't worry Except about Coach it. Beard. Oh, but yeah, uh, we, we're talking about Oscar Isaac a lot, which is great. Deserves it. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, not probably going to get an Oscar conversation, uh, Oscar nomination. Uh, oh, you don't think great, so? I think I he might. Know. I think it could uh, happen. Uh, there's not a lot of buzz for actors at TIFF, to be honest. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is where we're at, by the way, uh, in September uh, for Jane Campion's Power of a Dog, which no one's seen yet. But hey, it's getting there. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, Please, that's yeah. all it is. Digress the whole time. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll talk about the other characters by, you know, saying how they deal with him. I mentioned the kid, uh, uh, but literally in this movie, I, I'd say uh, there's a point where he's offered two, there's like two paths he could take. Uh, let's legitimacy as a professional poker pay- player. And that's with the Tiffany Haddish character. Or like uh, we learn that he could take a more vengeance route uh, that this kid is offering him too. But no, instead he takes this kid and they go through this thing. But yeah, uh, the kid here is played by a regular favorite of ours. We covered Joe recently. Ty yeah. Sheridan, young man. Uh, I thought he was wearing a wig at first, but no, he just has a motley head of hair. <laughs> it's really but funny. Yeah. It's huge, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah I mean, the kid, you guys, is with you too. Also, uh, I'll say before you say it, uh, his name is Kirk. Kirk with a C. How does that make sense? It's written down Kirk. Cirque. Cirque. It's spelled Cirque. Kirk with C-I-R-K, a C. But I've Kirk. never seen that as a name never in my entire that. life. At first, I was thinking about it during the movie because they do show it eventually, but it's yeah. almost at the very end. Yeah, I and I was had like, a C at the end, maybe I don't know. <laughs> but I thought they just meant like it had a C at the end. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Not a C at the start. <laughs> like that's fucking crazy. And then I thought like, oh, maybe it has a U in it then, <laughs> like Kirk. Kirk. Like C-U-R-K? <laughs> nope. C-I-R-C. Yeah. Cirque. So crazy. But I mean, look, you have to look, Caleb, we have to talk about because there's just like there is a lot of this movie that is just like fucking bizarre. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, some first of all, it's at the heart eight similarity level. Like there's a scene, a serious scene between the lead and the woman at a restaurant where like all of a sudden somebody next to them just acts crazy and then mm-hmm. they just go back to what they're doing, back to their conversation and it never comes back. That That was funny. <laughs> But like in general, like, you know, there's lines like where so there's the scene where Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish are walking up to the bar and they go like, where's the kid? He's sleeping. Oh, should I text him? No, leave him alone. And then they just sit down at the bar and start talking. And you're like, why was that dialogue in here? Like, couldn't they that like that? That like needs another pass or there's another scene where they just have had sex. Spoiler. And then he goes, Oscar Isaac standing there like in a bathrobe and Tiffany Haddish is there and he goes, hey, come look at this. And it's like a video of the kid talking, you know, on the phone. It's somebody else's FaceTime conversation. And, and he's watching it and then he puts it that puts the phone down. And he goes, yeah, it goes on like that for a while. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? It's so weird like some sometimes. Weird, uh, like uh, there's like he's great with monologues and speeches uh, yeah. but he's in certain lines to end a scene he's great at but like his like dialogue the quick dialogue stuff is like i don't know there's a lot of like groany jokes they make too to each other yeah. uh, like i don't know he's a big speech and also like some of the subplots just like come and go and as the need movie like you know you're never like fully invested in one too well there's this uh, i can a, just say kid, yeah what what is just while well, what you were saying about things coming and going so like yeah, so I there's this great tweet about this, um, and it says um, one of the best jokes in a movie this year is how in the card counter he counts cards exactly once in the first scene, immediately switches to playing poker, and then keeps coming into scenes explaining that he was just playing blackjack off screen. 
which is like that does happen they go through the whole thing of how to count cards and he tells you all about why he plays blackjack all the time and then he never plays blackjack again the entire movie like once that scene is over it's a cool that's i would say the scene that reminded me a lot of heart heart eight of just like the process of like here's how you game the 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 vegas a lot um yeah even in heart eight the uh when they first meet the first the first scene the opening scene uh he says uh oh what would you, what'd you you would Vegas? What'd you play? He says blackjack. Like you count cards? No, you can't. Don't do, yeah. Don't do that if you can't count cards. Like, you, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that too. I was like, oh shit, that's really funny. Like, like that's the first thing in the movie. I, I watched. Uh, um, I think Chris watched uh, Hard Eight first, then the Card Counter. I did the reverse. So uh, of course, like card counting is in my mind. Thinking of I, I, I just watched that and then. Having that be the first scene, like, oh, God damn, this movie's perfect for each other. <laughs> and then, but then the crazy thing is with the gambling, like, so not only does he stop playing blackjack immediately and start playing poker, but then it's like, it just, they spend a lot of time with the gambling, but at the same time, it's like, it doesn't matter at all to the movie at a certain point. Yeah, and they, they're point, yeah. building up to this kind of big it's, gambling climax, and then it just doesn't happen, you know? Like, this is what he does to relax. Like, this is what he just chose as his life, a thing to do. A reg- this regimented man uh, just... Right knows how to like make $500 a night and get stay at motels. Yeah. One time, weird, weird life. one time they ask him how many hands of cards he plays. And he goes, I don't know, 40 car, 40 hands an hour, eight hours a day, six, seven days a week. <laughs> You're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, there is like a cool regimented thing he does as he goes to this hotel. Oh, yeah. uh, he covers everything in white, like a white room. I don't like know, white like, sheets, like he ties yeah, white ties sheets with on, like twine, on over all yeah. the furniture with twine. Takes out all the pictures and unplugs the phone. I guess so it looks like prison, right? Is that yeah. the implication? Because he was in prison for eight and a half years. and Because life he, is prison, man. It turns out he liked being in prison, so he just made the outside world like prison. Yeah. Uh, and it does work because it's Oscar Isaac. And I do want to transition because I love her. But uh, the character Lalinda, Tiffany Haddish's character, who is a big part of this movie. Yeah, huge part. You, you hate to say it, but it's, it, I'd say it miscast. I hate to it's, say it. I mean, it's just, it, like I was saying before, like some of her deliveries, it's like it's like she isn't a professional actress. It's a you weird know? track record of it because it's mis- miscast. Like, good for her for even pulling down a Paul Schrader movie. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that kitchen movie. Oh, come on. Uh, sorry, Tiff. Uh, I'll, I'll praise her right now. Go see Bad Trip if, for, if you want to see her considerable strengths. Uh, an amazing actress, uh, Tiffany Haddish. She was also host of SummerSlam this year. I read when I was looking at Tiffany Haddish. Uh, yeah, she was at SummerSlam. Oh, really? Cool. I love SummerSlam. It's very weird. It's very <laughs> weird, though, her performance in this movie. I mean, yeah. I guess she's just, she is trying very hard to do, diagram. to act like <laughs> this type of woman. And it, and she is, but it's also like, it just doesn't she work She does a somehow, passable, you know? a routine performance with it. Um, there is like moments of, I don't know, just cause you're sharing a script with Oscar Isaac, he's done such a good job. Like you're carried with it. Uh, and you know, follow your lead performance, be a scene partner. She's a great there. Uh, wish there was more of her goofing around. There's some, she came alive there and they would do like, a lot of, there's a lot of groany jokes that, you know, get to have fun yeah. with. But yeah, just her energy's, uh, down. She's a very gifted actor in general, I, I believe. <laughs> but so wait so can i and I, I do believe in general she's a gifted actor but not in this movie um it's very yeah. strange and there is just like the lighting is terrible and every every single place that they ever go looks disgusting and which is great i mean they all look so authentic um but it is just a weird it's a weird movie it operates on a really weird level also the other thing that's to say <laughs> about it is like Oscar Isaac's character is basically a stand-in for Paul Schrader, right? Um, Which is funny because Paul Schrader is a very old man. He's 75 (laughs) years old. He's very old. And like the things, so the things Oscar Isaac's character does are like watch the local news and like eat at a weird diner. And you like kind of buy it because of his character or whatever, but it's also like just the ways that a 75 year old man interacts with the world. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I felt it was really weird. There's this whole other thing about Paul Schrader around the movie, which is like he's famous for doing these Facebook posts that are totally fucking crazy. He writes these absolutely insane things on Facebook. He uses like the N word, he uses the R word, and like, 
recently or and he says just all kinds of things about women and supposedly he got kicked out of paul dano's online mm-hmm. uh poker group for like making inappropriate comments i think he was like trying to tell these two women they should hook up with each other or something like that which is like yeah. it got him kicked yeah got he him has kicked a w- out weird of thing in general historical so this is so yeah so earlier this year he tweet he tweeted he said on facebook um is it really so hard to keep from touching attractive women in your presence if they work for you yes it is the evidence seems conclusive but it can be done and then like the next day it's like focus has asked me to stop posting on facebook for a month (laughs) it's like he hasn't he didn't post on facebook until after a card counter came out um because he was just he, he it is amazing that he has somehow not been canceled for the things that he says. I don't know if it's just people don't care about Paul Schrader or if it's... Yeah, people, they just accept him for who is it's the, it's the South Park rule. Like, oh, yeah, you're, you're going to cancel those guys. They've been canceled. They're, they're fine. Yeah, like, what's even the point? <laughs> they're, you know? they're not going down. They're ready to be canceled. Like, they're not going to stop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, his most famous one is he... I don't know if this is like the first thing he posted on Facebook or something, but it was... I enter unwashed into a world that disrespects me and despises my values. That's something Travis Bickle would write. That's fucking That's wild. fucking amazing. What an amazing thing to write <laughs> on social media. Like, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, that's um, cool. But yeah, he uh, was in social in, uh, media jail for Focus Features for this movie, but, uh, you know, it was worth it. Okay. Chris is mentioning Focus Features. Uh, I would like to mention that it you do see uh, that his last film was A24, uh, first reform, which you know was a great film, and there is that level of A twenty four ness out there, and this, like you said, it's a weird film. It's in that vein of being like that, but maybe a little bit too uh, auteur esque for him. That they were like, yeah, maybe A twenty four was passed, and Focus was the second bit here, <laughs> yeah, or like, right. um, but yeah, it was still produced by Scorsese, who also produced First Reform. Scorsese's, uh, if you see uh, his name on. Executive producing shit. It's a sign of a interesting movie. <laughs> uh, the Souvenir, which we've covered, uh, uh, Safety Brothers movies, just uh, underrated as the best film person in the world. <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, of course. I mean, I would say he's probably correctly rated. I think people understand him to be the best film person in the world. Um, I hope so. Yeah, I he rules. So much. <laughs> he's great. And uh, Paul Schrader, this- of course, huge. Like I said, he had this movie and Taxi Driver. Uh, raging yeah. bull. So many. I mean, what a fucking movies. nut, dude! What a fucking nut Paul Schrader is, and it's amazing <laughs> that he gets to be the person that he is. Um, and it's and make these movies. It's completely insane. It's so hard to make a movie these days. It's amazing that he got this together and it, it exists. And he must yeah, have this, filmed it during the pandemic. Uh, I mean, of, oh, for sure. And you got uh, you know, uh, hot actor Oscar Isaac, who's having a, a bit of a moment right now. We have a we're we're countdown from Dune. Uh, he's in a remake of a sh- thing we've covered on this uh uh scenes from a marriage he's in a remake oh, yeah. of that currently well, that looks you really watch bad it. i'm not gonna uh, watch that oh of course i'm gonna watch it's two of my favorite actors i, re- I get to reference a history of violence twice this episode oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, uh, yeah no I not for me a, I, think. I don't think it's a good director yeah um, right, I, I mean, he's. I, I think he's. Good. I think he's really good in this movie. I think there's a. Ch- I mean, Ethan Hawke got he's nominated for an movie, Oscar yeah. for First Reformed. I think there's definitely a chance Oscar. He, he did not get nominated. nominated. He got snubbed. He got. Snub- he got snubbed. Oh, he got a Golden Globe. Is that what he got? Did he uh, get nominated for Golden Globe? Got a Golden Globe, which that doesn't count. No one cares about Golden Globes. Well, yeah, but at least he got nominated <laughs> for something. Um, oh yeah, but I mean that movie got a lot. Of, it, it did get some Oscar. Uh, you know what? Got it. Got I think just screenplay only. Just screenplay um, only, really. He did. He, he did get nominated in the Independent Spear Awards, a much better award show. Oh yeah, and I mean, yeah, and you know, actually, Paul Schrader had some interesting things to say about how they should change the Oscars telecast in some of his Facebook posts. <laughs> you know, he thinks really? each of this major streamers should produce a different show that airs on successive nights that honors oh, different damn. areas of broadcast of filmmaking, and each episode should be short. Which is not a bad idea. I think it's actually a pretty good idea. Like one channel gets to do the technical awards, you know, but it'd be cool. I don't know. Make it into a cool I mean, TV people, show. I'd watch. I'd watch it. I like technical awards. Yeah, you get to see some like <laughs> cool ass animation and like things exploding, and you know, that all that some it's cool all all this stuff is the coolest stuff. You know, big chase sequences, whatever. Yeah, you know? uh, they can even expand to, to like I think stunt people need to get an Oscar category for there because that's it is crazy. There's not a, an we have Oscar in modern movies. Stunts. 
Yeah, there should be a stunt mm-hmm. Oscar because that's hard and it's performance mm-hmm. and it's very. The biggest award is the they, they do get a SAG award uh, and that's probably like the oh, most high profile cool. stunt thing. But like they, I would one hundred percent love a stunt category Oscar. Right. I feel like we. <laughs> I agree with you, and I also feel passionately about this. But also, we're like way off topic. So, do you want to move on oh, to yeah. the next movie? It is at the perfect halfway mark. Let's do it. If this is Heart Eight. You know how to count cards? No. You don't know how to count cards. Got to stay away from blackjack. I'd like 150 in dollar tokens. I see the way John worships you and like follows you like you're his captain. John is a very old friend. I haven't told John, but I know about Atlantic City. He thinks you don't like him. I don't. Big, sweeping, artistically ambitious director P.T. Anderson's first feature film is a smaller mood piece that mainly focuses on four characters and is set in mostly Reno, Nevada. The lead character here is named Sydney, which P.T. actually wanted to title the film of this film. Uh, this film, however, is actually called Hard Eight, and that lead, Sydney, is played by Philip Baker Hall, uh, who P.T. Anderson says he named the character after Hall's character in Midnight Run, which is a man after my own heart there. Uh, so the plot of the film is thusly, uh, Sydney, an older man, sees uh, a younger man, John, in need of help, and then he shows him the ropes at a casino. Uh, we cut to two years later, and that young man, who I should mention is played by America's sweetheart, John C. Riley, <laughs> uh, he's following Sid around, <laughs> and they're in Reno, uh, and this is where they meet two the two more characters, Clementine, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as a waitress and, yeah, prostitute, and Sid and John take a shine to her. And then we also have Jimmy, who isn't in the movie much until the end, where P.T. loads the back end of this film with the character backstory that was teased throughout at a pinch of the electric Philip Seymour Hoffman, a heaping helping of more soon-to-be P.T. Anderson regulars in cinematographer Robert Ellswit and composer John Bryan. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a film. Hard mm-hmm. Eight premiered at Cannes in 1996 at the Unsuten de Regard. And us real P.T. heads, we do call it Sydney. Chris, let's call it Sydney. Hey, let's call it Sydney. Let's call the whole thing Sydney. Um, yeah, what a movie. I mean, it's like we've been saying, very, very similar to uh, the the card counter. But you got to say with Hard Eight, like what an amazingly confident film. It's so focused and driven and uh, yeah, stylish and it takes its time in all the right places. It just it, it it's amazing that this is a first feature film like it fucking blows my mind because it's so like it's so unhurried. It has this kind of confidence. It doesn't seem like it's eager mm-hmm. to prove anything to you, you know, which we I watched um, Sean Penn's first movie recently for my other podcast, um, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, the the Indian Runner. And movie that movie is very like. Oh, yeah. It seems a lot. It's like fast cuts, like opens with something really super weird. And then there's like all this crazy stuff is happening right at the beginning. And, um, you know, that's not what this movie is like at all. <laughs> like it, it opens on like a, um, what appears to be a, it's a long shot, but then it turns into like a steady cam, like walk forward and it zooms right in on John C. Riley's face. And like, you're just hearing, uh, Philip Baker Hall. Is that, that's his name? Yes. Philip Baker Hall talking off screen. And it's like you were from his point of view. And it's what an amazing sequence. What an amazing sequence. Mm-hmm. And then like the lighting in this movie, amazing lighting, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> everything looks beautiful. Everything looks like exactly how it should look, you know? And it, it's just, it just starts at one place and it just goes forward and tells a story and then it is over. And it's amazing the way everything works together. So we should mention that it is based, uh, he got, the character of Sydney was in his short film. He did a short film called uh, Cigarettes and Coffee. Uh, it was at Sundance, or uh, they got passed around this amazing short, and then he got through the Sundance Lab, then got funding for this movie. He's like, oh, cool, I got a character. I'm going to work this out. And that, I did, didn't say a lot of the plot, but I said most of it. We don't really get the kick in of what's actually going to happen to the plot of the movie, which is just like the third act. Uh, until like an hour in really because we're just setting things up like the, uh, it's a yeah. big opening scene where they meet each other uh, and they're like even at the first before we get to that last third um, we get one detail 
about Sydney. Uh, and that right. detail is that he doesn't talk to his kids. And that informs the entire movie. Like he's with obviously a surrogate son here with the, the John right. C. Riley character. Uh, and also he's taking care of this um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I, I didn't mention that she's played it. 1996 Gwyneth Paltrow. Whoa. Early hey, wait, can I just to like say, like, how, Gwyneth, like, how are these people? For how are these people in this movie, in this the first feature film from Paul Thomas Anderson, like Gwyneth Paltrow, Samuel L. Jackson? Like, yeah, dude, this is post 1996. This is Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson in 1996. Yeah. He's a major, a major movie star, and he's playing a scumbag in this movie what? too. Like he's doing this, some acting. And he looks so uh, crazy. Ahead. He has his his hair looks crazy. Like yeah, like how is he in this movie? I was trying to do some research on he, it. I couldn't really find. I couldn't a, really a find it. Great actor, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I have no Amazing idea actor. how well, he, he just works too. Paul. Like I looked at his like. I mean that, that 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 I told you like that the short got passed around as like a big hyped thing. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. And even like well, think of like I said, Paltrow, Paltrow just came. Uh, so ninety six Gwyneth Paltrow was Hard Eight, which is we were talking about it. It's great. It holds up. Uh, big hit comedy, The Paul Bear with David Schwimmer, which coincidentally was also shot by Robert Elswit. Wow. Um, and then also her uh, Emma, which is like a signature role for her. And then also ninety five was when uh, Seven came out. So ninety six is when. Blockbuster video stars are stocking up on seven. Oh Every, God, everyone's yeah. finally catching up with that shit. <laughs> Bitter's Paltrow with the thing. And then Sam Jackson in 96. Major movie I mean, star. Uh, Great White Hype. Time to Kill. Long Kiss Goodnight. Crazy. And he's, I mean, this insane. is like, I'm saying this like after Sorry, Pulp I love Fiction. That. I love like, that Pulp Fiction is such a major thing. And this is him just like yeah. two years later in this movie. And Heart Eight, like, I, I, it's amazing. It's it's truly amazing to think that this came together in the way that it did. Um, and it's, I mean, what you know, and the crazy thing uh, is I didn't I mean, used to like this movie very much when I was a kid. Like, I don't know why. I think I thought it was like, it stressed me out or something. But like watching it again this time, I was really glad to watch it again because I really just appreciated like just what a really well-made movie it is, you know? And it's small, but mm -hmm. it's so, it just everything fucking is, works. Everything fits together. A $3 million budget, it made less than uh, 222K, yeah. Not a big seller at all. You made less than $200,000, uh, though. Oh, uh, 222K, about, yeah. Oh, my God. That's, yeah, really, good. <laughs> that's really bad. But, yeah, but really bad. Uh, laid, the, laid the ground of, like I said, uh, it's a smaller story, too, which is crazy. You think about P.T. Anderson movies, think about the epicness of There Will Be Blood or the scope of Boogie Nights taking on that whole industry. Uh, even Magnolia is just a beautiful epic, which is the, his uh, two movies after this. Uh, wow, P.T. Anderson. This is a smaller story. He's still hitting this. He's an L director. It's not sprawling. It's straightforward. And that is still elevated by his production design, uh, his the acting he gets from his thing, he's direct, how he directs these actors. Uh, he shows characters in the setting and then shows the setting. Like, he just pulls out the camera. The, the moving camera is such a beautiful, we're so lucky P.T. Anderson gets to rip off uh, – directors he loves and like sh do things in character studies this way and shout out to robert elswood i mentioned him in my intro um yeah does all pt andrews movies only one oscar that was there will be blood also shot michael clayton which i fucking love uh good night and good luck was such a beautiful movie uh a couple mission impossibles in there for him uh nightcrawler uh he's the reason i saw king of staten island the judd apatow pete davidson movie uh it was shot by robert elswood it's a beautiful movie <laughs> uh you could hey. watch Pete Davidson in a beautiful hue of light. Hey, if you had, <laughs> if you met Robert Ellswick and you had to explain to him the reason that you saw um, Staten Island Boy or whatever the name of that movie is, um, what, <laughs> what, 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 my what would you him. say? I think what you'd say, Caleb, is, go, hey. the reason is you, <laughs> the reason is you. I did, I did step on the, uh, uh, landmine of saying the reason to Chris. Yeah, yeah, in this fucking mood that I'm in. Yeah, I'm pretty punchy. Sorry about that. Um, no, no. You, oh, this is actually very... a movie too. It's talking about the look of it. I mean, and it does look fantastic. Like I was saying, I was saying the lighting's great, and you're of course very more knowledgeable than me, and you're talking about why. So it does. It looks great. The cinematography is amazing. But it was one of those movies where I felt like I could fucking smell this the rooms this movie was in. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody's smoking all yeah. the time. It's that kind of like mid nineties like casino. Like oh god, the way everybody was just like smoking cigarettes all the time, and then smoking cigarettes in their cars. And I was like, yeah, I have been in these rooms. I remember what this used to smell like. God, that's so crazy that it was not that long ago that you could smoke inside of everywhere, right? That's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It was gross. It was gross as hell. I can remember mm-hmm. being in college and going to concerts, and you'd come home from a concert, and you just stank like out. You had to wash your clothes immediately. They just smelled like cigarettes. Like you could, <laughs> it was like you couldn't even like walk in the door. It was disgusting. Uh, yeah, there's like two scenes that stick out to me. The ending, editing sequence is so well done. I don't want to edit it because it's a little bit of a spoiler there. But uh, the way he's, he's just sitting in a room waiting. Uh, we know we're, we're great. We got all the information about him. We're, we know how this guy thinks. And we just see him wait while we get to see what other characters are going through. Just a beautifully edited montage, uh, well-directed. And also, uh, it's just a throwaway joke. And it's at the beginning where, uh, like, I don't use matches. Oh, okay. Is there a reason? They talked about him. John T. Rodd talks about him not using matches and tells a story about you know those big daddy Mac books <laughs> in my pocket, and it uh, just caught on fire. It just caught on fire or something. Whoosh. So he's talking about it. It's a funny story. It's well delivered. John Turo is the fucking best actor in the world. Uh, but then they actually show it too, which is like, oh, good lord, that's so some funny. funny. He's standing in line yeah. out, outside at a movie theater, and then his pocket just goes up. They show it realistically. It's like a, a two second scene. Just oh, oh, oh. and it's over really quick, right? It's over mm-hmm. really quick. But you know, it takes him way longer to tell the story than the actual thing that happened. You know. Uh. Oh, can I can we talk about Dante right a little bit? The, the best actor in the world. He's funny in this movie, but it's such a, a drama, and he nails it the character perfectly. He does that in every single movie he's in. Just you, he he lives his characters so well, and I always say they're the sweetheart characters of his movies. Uh, uh, there's a grace note. He, he does give he give, he gives grace notes to all his characters. Uh, PT in this movie. There, there's nice little touches, but the one I liked for uh, his name's John. in This movie, John. Uh, he says, "I know three kinds of karate." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't. Are he, then he names them, and well, the last one is regular karate. <laughs> regular karate, taekwondo, and a regular keto. Yeah, regular keto karate, regular. <laughs> and that's a big laugh in a movie that doesn't have a lot. It's fine that it doesn't, but it's also just a very good character. It's wonderful. Uh, yeah, uh, another great uh, grace note uh, to talk about the other. Great characters in this movie. Uh, Clementine, Gwyneth Paltrow. I am underrating her. We are oh. underrating her now because she does goop, but, but 96, Gwyneth Paltrow. She's great uh, in this movie. She's great. She's just like, yeah. really seems like the character that she is. Like, basically together, but she has like, she's a little nuts. She's like mm-hmm. a little bit makes bad decisions, you know? And then just kind of is like, has this look on her face like, fuck, what did I do? You she know? Was doing, she's doing, she had some art under her belt. You forget that about her. Um, but yeah, uh, there's this really nice scene. Uh, like she has just bond- she bonded with uh, Sydney over the night. Uh, they go back to his place, uh, and she like it's in the air, and they just sh- PT just shows like a pan up of her boots, and she's shifting. She has like her she's scrunching up her clothes, uh, and then she he, and they pull the shot out, and when Sydney enters in, and she asks, "So, Sid, do you want to fuck me?" And he, of course, is like a no-nonsense guy. He's like, what are you talking about here? No, none of that. What, what, what made you think? Why would a person ask that? <laughs> is what he says to her, really. <laughs> uh, which is like, a, a, a one, a weird scene to write. Uh, uh, like, to even put that in your movies, I thought it was like kind of bold to do. Because it's in the air, you're feeling it. But just to have it be as awkward and act and have the actors execute it as well as they did is just a uh, high bar scene. And again, uh, a, a grace note of just him... Uh, like showing her being like nervous to ask this, I thought was like, yeah, that's that's how it would probably go, which is awesome. <laughs> there's so many little things talking about great other performances in the movie. Of mm, course, I know there's got it. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in one scene. P-S-H. Ooh. Completely crushes it as this. Apparently, a lot of it was improv, and he was Paul Thomas Anderson was very impressed with Philip Seymour Hoffman, who just did a lot of kind of like improv his way through this scene. And at this time, he wasn't like a big actor. Or anything. No, ninety six. Yeah, not much. wasn't a big actor. And uh, to how to Paul says about it, like he felt like he was older, and Philip was a lot younger, and he was just like, oh, "What's the deal with this kid, man? Like, look at him. He can just he's, he can just do it, you know." And he is. He's just fucking doing it in the scene. He's like a he's like a brash gambler. I think they call him in the Wikipedia <laughs> page where he's just young kind craps of player, yeah, <laughs> razzing Sydney the whole time and playing craps. It's and it's the scene that like it doesn't do. 
when you see Philip Seymour Hoffman come in and he's acting vaguely sinister, you definitely expect him to come back again. And he doesn't. So it's not a scene that like, quote unquote, advances the plot in any way. It's just kind of like, Mm -hmm. if anything, uh, it's uh, why we get the title hard eight from because it does come up two other times, but this is the big hard eight. (laughs) scene. this is the big scene where they say hard eight over and over again and explain what a hard eight is. And like big balls move. Yeah. yeah. Big balls move, big balls bet, you know, (laughs) but it's like, it just kind of is a little scene that happens in the movie, just kind of adds some atmosphere, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And again, uh, a, a study in body language, too. Uh, the way he's holding the dice, he puts, puts them up together at certain points. Uh, I always, uh, how, how he's constantly moving up and down and like pointing at someone. Uh, a, an electric scene. He says things like, chaka, 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 come on, or like, does like this. And he's yeah. a mullet and he's wearing a flannel. Uh, and it's fun and awesome. <laughs> like it's fucking just great to see. <laughs> like I rewatch, I watch I, I, after I watched the movie, I, I rewinded it and watched it again because what what a bl- we were super blessed to watch that man act. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good, dude. And then uh, 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 we he's not in it a lot until the end, and I kind of graced over him. The uh, the great Samuel Jackson. Uh, uh, so yeah, his character's name's Jimmy. Uh, uh, has one scene and then doesn't come back until the third act where he's a big part of it. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, great. He's a big, gets a big monologue about being looked down on, on what is right. And it's like you could kind of be on his side a bit too because like like what we learned about Sydney is, uh, uh, I guess I can spoil it. It's not that cool. <laughs> it is like, a, how old is this movie? Like 20? 96, yeah. 25 years old. Here's, yeah. Your, here's your spoiler. So there's mafia ties to... That's, okay, that's well. There's two spoilers. I will. I won't say that. But I'll split my diff. But yeah, he has mafia ties, and uh, Jimmy Samuel Jackson knows about him and tries to blackmail about him, and that's where things go more awry. But he does when he they do first meet. Uh, Jimmy tells him he's in like security, uh, and brusquely, uh, Sydney just says like, "Oh, like the parking lot." Uh, and at that point, we're like, "Sydney's a great guy. He's such a fucking cool thing." But then it's like, "Oh, that's kind of racist, dude." <laughs> Uh, then he has this big monologue about where he brings that back up and says like all you old school cats uh, it's like a like it's also implied that Jimmy also currently has ties and he's also a big shot here in Reno <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah like it's uh, it's where you, like a good writers muddle what is right and wrong and yeah uh, you can he's a retired mafioso he's, he's still doing badass shit but in a very that's if you piss him off and Jimmy pisses Sydney off <laughs> in heart eight is what happens yeah it's pretty it's it's i i just think it's a really great well-constructed movie yeah he's the it's it's part it's pt you could just say it's a pt Anderson movie like oh cool people should know that he's I mean, he's the best director right hell it's so loose lucky. in a certain way it's not over it's not overstuffed like a lot of his other movies are mm-hmm. overstuffed with like a million characters and plot lines it's like usually this would be like one fifth of a pt anderson movie yeah. but this it's is very the whole, slow yeah it's the whole movie in this movie mm-hmm. you know and guess what it's great stop mm-hmm. making 20 movies at once pt like just make it he's when not, you do it he, this way very works. slow with his movies he's making 20 uh heim heim videos at once heim am i saying i never say it right heim isn't it heim <laughs> Lahayim. I thought it was like, like that. No, that's how you say like. No, chair. but that's what I know. That's how you say Hayim, though. Is that it's like without it's Lahayim without the le. That's what I thought it. Hayim is that is that is that true? I'm yeah. loath to trust your advice on how to pronounce something. I've it's heard like it's absolutely uh, no offense, but like you do. I mean, you don't mispronounce you don't, a lot of words. Uh, no, you do, uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm right because it's uh, it rhymes with rhyme. Okay. Heim. All right, Hayim. Yeah. Heim. Okay. All right. You know what? I'm willing to be sure. Let's say it's Heim. Uh, uh, I also pronounce things correctly all the time. Hey, how you pronounce our last name is Haim. Two syllables. There you go. Haim. S.D. Haim. Yeah. Haim. Danielle Haim. But yeah, he's the best director. Like, we, you know it. You're listening to a movie podcast. P.T. Anderson. There's some great one shots in here. And this purposeful one shots, that's when Sid is in his element. Uh, First, when he's showing, they do a beautiful casino sweep. Casino sweeps, that's a beautiful thing in films, the history of casino sweep. There's a nice casino sweeper. He just gets up and walks across the room. Uh, just showing, like, this is where he does this all the time. This is his livelihood. He's awesome. Uh, and then the other two are when uh, he first gets this panicked call and has to, like, rush to the door. Like, oh, he's still doing it confidently. He's still, like, as we know now, he had mafia ties. He still knows how to, like, deal with hostage situations and shit. Uh 
Uh, and then the next one is when he's rushing them out to another beautiful to the car. Like he's like, okay, I'm taking control now. Uh, yeah, purposeful filmmaking. I think I mentioned how beautiful edited the uh, finale of this movie is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I mentioned Robert Elswit. Uh, there's an amazing John Bryan score. John Bryan, the best at one of the best at movie scores. It's a very playful score at first because that's the tone of the movie, but it gets dark when the movie gets dark, and it's again, it's, it's good. A it's really score. good. Um, Caleb, should we move on? You got anything else yes. you want to say? Yeah, let's uh, do it. Let's bro. do it. Like, let's say you had to pick one of these two movies, or somebody would uh, wait in your house for you to come home and then ooh, fucking ooh. murder you. <laughs> like, it happens in both these movies. I, um, so I'll pick a movie. Uh, you know, it is tough a little bit. Um, one, you got uh, a auteur director at the end, towards the end of his career, still doing weird art. Uh, and I really appreciate that. And I think it's a good movie. And I, uh, I've, I've talked about how much I love Oscar Isaac. But I'm going to pick Hard Eight. It's weird. I mean, it's P.T. Anderson that you could, it's almost like his training wheels movie in the sense, like I t- we talked about how big his scope gets. Uh, and he nails it. It's an amazing movie and uh, people should watch it. And if he wants to call it Sydney, I'm calling it Sydney with him. I'm 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 picking Hard Eight and uh, John C. Riley and Philip Philip Baker Hall was unknown really to most mainstream audiences in 1960s. Like, no, I'm going to let him star in a movie. Fucking cool as hell. So good. He's so cool. He's so <laughs> cool in that movie. I mean, yeah, Caleb, you, I got to agree with you. Like, I love Paul Schrader. I'm in this whole crazy cult of Paul Schrader. I love every fucking dumbass thing that he does. Paul I saw him do a Q and A at BAM. It was fantastic. Him and Ethan Hawke. He's such a fucking weirdo. Like, I love that he exists and gets to do all this stuff. Um, there was a post when I, so he's back on Facebook now, and it was um, it was a picture of Ethan Hawke, Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac, and Willem Dafoe that all looked like they were like out to dinner somewhere, mm-hmm. and they were all flicking off the camera, and Paul Schrader had written. This is what my stars think of me. <laughs> I was like, love it, love it. A plus, right. no notes, some false Raider rules. But at the same time, like the movie is like a fucking mess. It's like such a mess. It's fun to watch. Like I definitely recommend watching it. But if you're going to say like, what's the better movie mm-hmm. or even what's more enjoyable to watch, it's Heart Aid on both. Counts. Yeah, you're going down the... Uh web of Paul Schrader. There's a ton of better Paul Schrader movies. And maybe there is a ton of better P.T. Anderson movies, but it's also like you're just taking in the career of, again, one of the best working directors currently yeah. in his prime, P.T. Anderson. This is his first film. And, yeah, so you, you, want, you so want to learn good. You want to learn about this guy. If you if you haven't heard about this P.T. Anderson. You got to get on this shit, brother. You got to get on. Oh, That's the show, brother. We did it. Can you believe it? Like, woo! Congratulations. We did, we did it. It's like when you get a text that says congratulations and you get confetti everywhere. I hate that. And on Facebook, that happens too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's great. You're you're on Facebook all the time. We're just looking at Paul Schrader's posts every day. This is true. I like um, thumbs up poking. I'll let, Kayla, I'll let you get back to it. I don't want to take it anymore. Thank you so back much. Bye everybody. is you okay i'm um, not a perfect a person. person um you know that's going at the end of the episode